Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, Showdown on Mount Carmel, from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 40. Why did God answer Elijah's wild request? He was about to show all these false prophets, all their followers, and all the world that He and He alone is the one true living God. Make no mistake, when the showdown on Mount Carmel is over, God's name is exalted, God's prophet is exonerated, and God's enemies are executed. Here's Pastor Tim. Look, if you will, in verse number 30. What I want you to read in these verses is that the consumption, the consumption of that bull was indisputable. Indisputable. That's why we read what we read in this verse. Look, if you will, verse number 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, notice what he says first, come near to me. Come near to me. That tells me that there's something going on in Elijah's mind and something that's going on in the people's mind. If they thought for even a moment that the God of heaven would send down fire and burn up that sacrifice, they're not coming near. If Elijah thinks that he's going to pull a trick Pull a rabbit out of the hat. Pull a lightning bolt out of the sky. He would say, now y'all move back. Move back. I don't, want you, I don't want you to see the ace that I've got up my sleeve. Instead, he says, come close. Come on in here. I want you to see everything. Everything, not just the miracle. I want you to see the preparation. All right, let's keep going. Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Tells you why their culture was in the trouble that it was in, right? Verse 31. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed, or four bushels, 40 gallons, if you will. The gallons become important in just a moment. It says, and he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And so far, other than building the altar in the name of the Lord and making sure that it fits the prescription that we've seen in the other parts of the Old Testament, the preparation to this point has been exactly the same. They picked a bull, he picked a bull. They gathered wood, he gathered wood. They built an altar, he built an altar. They put the wood on the altar, he put the wood on the altar. They put the bull on the wood, he put the wool on the... He did it too. Everything. Just like that. But now, what Elijah says to them makes this seem even more impossible. 
You know there are people snickering. You know that there are people that are whispering and can't wait to see what Elijah does next. In the middle of verse 33, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice. All right. Don't, don't miss things in here, right? Is that a burnt sacrifice? Not yet. Not yet. Elijah is so sure of his God, so sure of what's coming, that you pour the water on the burnt sacrifice. Pour it all over the pieces of that bull. Let it filter down through the wood, through the rocks. Look at what he says. You pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood, and he said, do it again. Do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench, those 40 gallons, with water. He's continuing to do that. Let's keep going. It came to pass... At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. The consumption was indisputable. They were up close. They saw that the sacrifices were the same. They saw that the preparation was done just right. There are no tricks. There are no matches slid in underneath one of the pieces. This is not gasoline that he's pouring on top of the sacrifice and the wood and into the trench. It is water. And yet the one who is not referred to as the God of fire hears and answers, sends down fire. <laughs> I like this. I mean, it consumed the burnt sacrifice. I mean, it just burned it. It burned it up. There's nothing left of the bull. It is completely consumed. And the wood and the rocks and the dirt all burned. This is not just a lightning bolt, is it? See, some people are going to read through this and they're going to say, boy, Elijah sure was lucky, you know, to have that lightning strike just like it did. This didn't say lightning. This is fire of the Lord. In the same way that God created a great fish to swallow Jonah, the same way that God created a path in the Red Sea, God creates a fire from heaven 
that is strong enough and bold enough and pointed enough that it burns up all of that and does not even singe the hairs on Elijah or the people. They have seen a miracle. And it's indisputable. There's not one word about, I wonder how he did that. You know, like we do when we go to a magic show. How does he do that? I know he's just tricking me. How did he do that? Nobody's asking that question. They know. Elijah prayed it, didn't he? Oh, Lord. That they may know that you are the one true living God. Send the fire. I would pray that for our church. God of heaven, who wants so deeply to revive His people, to draw them into a relationship that is close, and that is obedient, and that is meaningful. Send the fire. Send the fire. Let it burn up all of the things that do not matter. Let it consume the sacrifice that we make. And gain glory for yourself that the people in Columbus, Georgia will know that there is but one true living God and that fact is indisputable. Number next, I want you to see that the confession was inspiring. The confession was inspiring. I mean, Elijah had already prayed it, didn't he? Lord, hear me. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to him. Look at verse 39. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. This is one of those verses where I wish that my New King James Version reflected better what's written in Hebrew. Because in Hebrew, you have the direct object. You know what the direct object is, right? It's the. It points to the one, the, the one. You know what the people are crying out as they fall on their faces? They're saying, the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. They have been taught their entire lives that there are a multiplicity of gods and they could worship whomever they chose. Create a God in your own image. And they did it. And they believed it. And they lived it out even to no avail. They are convinced beyond measure that there is but one True, living God. 
They were inspired by Elijah. And I got to tell you, they inspire me. The Lord, He is the God. I want to leave it there. I do, I do. I, I think that's such a great place. It's a great place for the end of the chapter, the end of the story. But the last thing I want you to see is that the cleansing was important. We want to leave it at verse 39 because it makes a good ending to the movie. (laughs) But God's not through. He's not through. The people gathered together. They're the ones who are saying the Lord is the God. Not the prophets. Not the prophets of Baal. Not the prophets of Asherah. Not Ahab, and certainly not Jezebel. There's a cleansing that's coming. Let me say this to you. We say that we want revival. As long as revival means full altars and full church buildings. We want revival if it means more nickels and more noses. Few people want the cleansing. To be revived is to be made alive again. To cut out anything and everything that is dead and to replace it with life that comes from above. It's not easy, and it's not fun, but it is important, and it is necessary. Look at verse 40. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. And he executed them there. There's no more place for them in Israel. They had seen God at work. They had seen Him demonstrate His power and His uniqueness and His reality. And they still held on to their bales which they would teach other people to do. They would still cling to their ashras and encourage others to do also. Listen to this passage out of Deuteronomy chapter 13. I think I've got it on your screen because it's lengthy. The Bible says, If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is as your own soul. So anybody, right? Even those that are close to you. They secretly entice you saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, 
of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you, or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You shall stone him with stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I am certainly not saying today that we're to go and kill people who don't agree with us and who lead people astray. That's God's business. But you know what I do need to do? I need to not consent to them. I need not to listen to them. I need not pity them or spare them or conceal them. But to let the truth be the truth and to reign supreme. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Joshua challenged the people of his day. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua gave them the same choice that Elijah gave. If God be God, then serve Him. If the Baals be God, then serve Him. If God be God, serve Him. If your money be God, serve Him. If popularity be God, serve Him. If awards and rewards be God, serve them. But I'll tell you this, there is but one true living God. Only one life that is effectively used is the life that's given to the Lord Jesus. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Father, I pray that your spirit right now has freedom in every heart that we might do what we ought to do, that we might choose how we ought to choose, that we might surrender and worship the way that we ought. This, God, is your moment. Hear me, your servant, that all this people may know that you are God and that you demonstrate it effectively. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. If you need to come to the altar, that's a place I'd beat to beat to. If I can help you, I want to. Okay? I'll help you if you need to. Sean?
Pastor Tim invites you to join us here each week for great messages from God's Word. He would also love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.